He prefers to be referred to as a transformer. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh. 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 Ah, you sowed the seeds of that joke early. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> All right. Welcome to another episode of Screen Fix, the show where we will fix a recent Hollywood film and give you a little bit of movie news. Uh, I am your host, JC. I am sick, but I have quarantined myself away from the other screen fixers. We have a tarp. Uh, they can't get... <laughs> they have... There's a makeshift hazmat on me. It's a lot like Outbreak. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I am sick, but I'm going to power through. I have wonton soup on the way. Uh, do you guys want anything? Chinese? I- I wanted Thai food, though. It's true. You you want Thai food? <laughs> I'll take some dumplings. <laughs> okay, dumplings. Dumplings are on, on the way. Dumplings? So here we go. Be sure to thank him for me. With me, as always, uh, are the co-hosts that carry the show. Last week, we were minus one lady one because she was <laughs> jet-setting across Europe. I want to know, are there any countries mm-hmm. Screen Fix is not allowed in anymore? As far far as I can tell, everybody was fine with everything that I did. You were quite the fix lamet. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was telling everybody all about it. I don't speak French, but I told everybody about the podcast. But she speaks fix. <laughs> the world speaks fix. It's a universal language. So uh, while you were over there, did you see anything or visit any sites that were movie related? Anything related to this uh, this this pod? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I went to Paris, so I had to watch Midnight in Paris, like, the night before I went. Ooh. But I also went to uh, this castle in Luxembourg called Vianden Castle, and they have recorded records of it back to 1250, but it was built hey. on a Roman fort. It's even older than that. It's amazing, incredible. It's all rebuilt and beautiful, but it's in the movie Shadow of the Vampire, which I'm totally Ooh. planning on watching now because I've been Ooh. there. Ah, that's the the uh, Willem Dafoe Willem. Uh, vampire movie where he plays Max Shrek. I can't right? wait to watch it. Yeah. Who else was in that? Do you know Mustachio? Oh, um, yeah. I watched it a long time ago. John Malkovich is in that. Wow. Tour de force yeah. of very of, odd actors. Of big yes. noses, yes. And, and, and Eddie intense. Izzard is in this? Eddie oh, my Izzard. God. I can't wait to watch it. Another intense yeah. big nose. Eddie Izzard. Nice. Did he, does he wear? Yes. Is he wearing more makeup than Willem Dafoe? I hope. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, Dracula in drag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I want to watch that. I want a drag version of Dracula. I want Dracula. Well, yeah. I mean, White Zombie has a song called Dracula. But I want a fabulous movie with Eddie Izzard. I mean, I'll take it. Yes. Yeah. That sounds great. Dracula is a show. Oh, is it on Logo? Search for the world's next drag super monster is a competition reality show produced by the Boulette Brothers Productions in association with Out TV. Well, Hmm. that's intense. I would rather just have like a horror movie, Dragula, where it's a drag queen. Vice says Dragula is loud, weird, and pisses on heteronormativity. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Dragula. Can I go ahead and add that to my watch list? It pees politely. <laughs> so, uh, Mustachio, I, you weren't in Europe, but I mean, do you, ha, did you do anything this week film related that measures up to that? No, no, not by a long shot. <laughs> but let's see, what was I doing? I mean, I, I've been watching other stuff. I'm, I've watched the movie that we will do next week. So did I. Yeah. And really enjoyed it. And then I also watched uh, this whole movie called Misfits, directed by John Huston. It's got Clark Gable, Eli Wallach, oh, Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe's last yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. How was that? It was good. It was good. It was, um, was kind of like uh, she's a divorcee uh, mm. trying to escape from her life, and she finds two modern-day cowboys that just, like, they both fall for her. It seemed like an American version of that Italian film, uh, La Ventura, but without like a like a person's disappearance. It was good. It was beautiful. She was stunning. She was 
hilarious at times. Uh, she acts her ass off. Then she acts really drunk at times, which is probably not acting. I don't know. Wait, uh, are you setting us up for Screen Fix Classics? <gasps> Do we dare? Classic music. Was that what that was? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. <laughs> so anyway, we should jump right into the latest movie news. We've got Lady One back. We need her take. <laughs> we struggle. We struggle. It's good to have you back. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's good back. to be back. Right, right. So let's go ahead and just start with like the popcorn stuff. How about that? Okay. So uh, something that came out uh, earlier uh, last week was uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix and New Mutants. Both of those films, which were supposed to come out this year, were both pushed back. What are our thoughts on this and why they were pushed back? Uh, Of course, this is both Dark Phoenix is the movie that's going to be headlined by... By Sophie Turner, uh, who plays Sansa Stark. And the other one has Macy Williams, who plays Arya Stark. What are they doing to the Stark sisters here? They're pushing them back. Is House Stark under the clandestine control of House Mouse already? <laughs> what's going on here? What's going on here? What What's your take on it, Lady Wan? Go. Uh, well, it's not a good sign that they want to reshoot 50% of New Mutants. Nothing good has ever come from let's redo half the movie. <laughs> so not optimistic. I understand a lot of the the severe, quote unquote, pushback is because of scheduling, because you've got these huge Hollywood stars in these projects and you can't just be like, oh, can you come back Monday? We have more to do. Like Jennifer Lawrence is busy. But it's not a good sign that they need to reshoot so much that it's being pushed back like six months. Uh, It sounds bad. Sounds real bad to me. Do you think that the project was a bad idea? Do you think they're realizing that the direction they took with New Mutants was maybe bad in the first place? Like a mutant horror film? Yeah. Disney doesn't want anything to do with that. I mean, so they're going to change it around to make it seem like something totally different. Do you think all of this is just Fox wanting to push things back, or do you think do you think this does have something to do with the Disney deal? The Disney deal. I mean, the timeline has to fit their schedule. They they have to change it. They have to make it work for them and send it out. Yeah, that's what it seems like to me. Yeah, I think that since this is going over to the mouse that they should just kill both these projects and just let Marvel and the mouse decide what they want to do with these. That's why it's it surprised me that they, that they didn't just throw these out as is. But maybe there is some strong pull. A strong mouse pull. Speaking of other things that are under the clandestine control of House Mouse, Marvel stopped producing Fantastic Four comics due to the fact that Fantastic Four movies were being made by Fox. So they were like, uh-uh, we're not going to keep feeding you storylines and we're going to not keep, you know, feeding your machine. Right. We're going to we're going to we're going to cancel this comic. We'll see how good you do now. Boom, comic canceled. And you know, obviously this whole Disney Fox thing is about to happen. And now suddenly Marvel Comics is relaunching the Fantastic 4 in comic form. <laughs> Yay! Right? <laughs> what a coincidence. It's crazy. So I would definitely look out for this comic because this comic may very well be what the plot of your first Fantastic Four movie will be. Oh. So I would pay attention to it. I think they're in a, an important property for Marvel and now that a lot of these contracts are going bye-byes um after this after not this Avengers movie but the next one, of course, Chris Hemsworth's contract is up, so is Chris Evans's contract. So we need a new, we need a new slate, and they're going to work in X Men here. They're going to mm-hmm. work in Fantastic Four here to keep this this ball rolling. Now, the Fantastic Four movie that came out, directed by Josh Trank, was a, a huge critical and financial failure. I don't think it was due too much to the casting. I thought the cast was okay. It had a bit of a inspired casting. I did enjoy. Their, their casting of Michael B. Jordan as 
Johnny Flame. How about this Fantastic Four? So when this film does come back, and it will come back in into the fold, and it will be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, who do we like for our Fantastic Four, for our new Fantastic Four? What's your what's your dream casting for this I one? I got I'm some gonna let, ideas. I'm going to let Lady One go first all episode. Ooh. Aw, you guys missed me. Okay. <laughs> go. I'm, I'm going to start in a weird spot. I'm going to start with a thing. All right. So that's our Ben Grimm. Yeah. Here's here's a weird idea. Uh, how about John Hamm? Because <laughs> John Hamm. he doesn't get to be his handsome self. And I feel like John Hamm wants to not be hampered by his handsomeness. He wants to just like do something where it's not just about his face. Yeah. And I think this could be it. I think he could do it. Is he gr- is he gruff and, and angry enough? He could be. Have you watched Mad Men? He gets dark. I I have. Um, I think it would be an interesting stretch for him. I think he could do it. Well, let's go. Uh, Mustachio, do you have a Ben Grimm? All right. So for Ben Grimm, I'm going to go with Ian Glenn, a.k.a. Jorah Mormont. Ooh. Because I want him to go full grayscale as the thing. <laughs> so, the English. He's already becoming the thing anyway yeah. on Game of Thrones. Just, so he's just he's just like Krog. He's, they're all rock people. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. I like it. What you got? So for the thing, for thing, I've got. I'm gonna go uh, all in on the uh, Cena sans, and I'm. I picked John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> for oh, him, he's getting a lot of work these days. But I was very close to picking Mustachio's favorite, Nick Offerman. Ah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but I, th- I think he'd be too Offerman-ish. Yeah, that's my dad, you know. Yeah, and too, like, <laughs> soft-spoken maybe. But yeah, I, I went John Cena. Nice. Who do we have? Let's do our couple. Let's do our Reed Richards and Sue Storm. For Reed Richards, I have Jesse Williams. Who's that? He's on Grey's Anatomy, and he's so handsome. <laughs> oh, so we're going handsome. We're not going with like an right, right. older scientist man. You're going... He's th- he's 36. He okay. plays a doctor. All I right. believe that he's smart based on Grey's Anatomy, and I like his face. Is he ripe for his for the next level in his career? Totally. And you're Sue Storm? Kiki Palmer. Another one who I think is ready to move to the next level. She was American, or not American Horror Story. She was in Scream Queens. She can sing, too. She's kind of like that kind of genre of performer, triple threat girl. But I think she's ready to move to the next level. And she's super pretty. Yeah, sweet. I'm very shallow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Sue Storm. So, yeah, that's a good choice. I went with, with mine. Yeah. Dr. Reed Richards, Michael C. Hall. Ooh. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Interesting Invisible choice. Invisible Woman, Alicia Vikander. Oh. So you went kind of the Jessica Alba route there. Yeah, I played it a little safer there, I guess. Kind of yeah. the, the, the olive-skinned beauty. Yep. That's good. That's good. Okay. I have a couple choices because I can't make decisions, so. <laughs> I picked two couples, actually. Ooh. Two real-life couples. So my first Reed Richards and Sue Storm is John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. John Krasinski. <laughs> Statue was not on board. I know, I know, I know. Well, you know, I because he looks kind of like rubbery, like now. <laughs> he looks kind of rubbery, you know. My other one is Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde. Oh. I think they would be a cool Reed Richards and Sue Storm. Jason Sudeikis as one of the most intelligent minds on earth. Yes. <laughs> I need to see this. And his wife, Olivia Wilde, as Sue Storm. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. Okay, so if I wasn't going to go with a couple, I chose Army Hammer. Ooh. Call me by your name, Army Hammer. Yeah. I think he's got charisma for days, and I think he would be a great uh, Reed, Reed Richards. I see it. I see it. And then I was kind of picking through actresses to play Sue Storm. I really like. They're all kind of young though. I picked Melissa Benoist. I think she could. Oh yeah. She could dump DC and move over to Marvel. Or I picked. I can I re- see that. I really like Tysa Farmiga, the sister of Vera Farmiga. 
anyway, she was in uh, American Horror Story and also in a movie that I really like called uh, In a Valley of Violence, the Western with Ethan Hawke. But they're kind of young to Army Hammer's older guy. So I don't know if I would do that. Those were mine. How about the one that's going to be our cocksure flamer, Johnny Storm? Who (laughs) who do you have? Who do you have, Lady One? I went based almost entirely on physicality. Give me another Hemsworth. Give me Liam. I'll take him. Let's get him in here. Don't you take my Chris away without giving me Liam. Liam, okay. All right. Uh, who do you have, Mustachio? I tried to code just as hot for the Human Torch. Um, uh-huh. Physicality. It's got to be hot. Got to be hot. It's got to be hot. It's, it's got to be hot. Um, I picked. Whoa, I picked, walking. Just I picked Zac Efron. I like that guy. He can do anything. Oh yeah, he is hot. Efron is would be a good Johnny Flame. I still have no Johnny Flame. I can't think of like a hot young thing. Oh, there's so many hot dudes out there. Because I think that, well, the thing is like like Johnny Flame is like a cocky attitude. Yeah. It's like more than just yeah, there's... some actor. There's like a swagger. Yeah. And I'm, I'm struggling to find the youngster. With, maybe, oh, how about, how about maybe the guy who played Baby Driver? Oh, yeah. Is his name Ansel Engort? Is that him? Yes, Ansel El- Ansel Elgort. Ansel Elgort. That's it. Elgort. Ans- yeah. Yeah. Anson Elgort maybe has the the <laughs> swag. Um, I don't know. Just trying to figure out somebody that has swag. I might also want to go. I think I want to go with a a a black actor here, like they did with in the Josh Trank version as well. So, who's our swagger? Young African American actor, or British American, or British American, or British. Oh, um, Lake Keith Stanfield. No, no, he's too weird. Too weird. <laughs> he's good. He's oh, good weird. Fine. You just you just made me think of the show um, Atlanta. I'm going Donald Glover. Done. You can't. He's already in Spider Man Homecoming. Son of a bitch. He was. He was drafted three rounds ago. I'm telling you, casting a Marvel <laughs> you, Marvel movie is like fantasy football. Like, no, man, somebody already picked him. Yeah, I'm going to need Screen Fix Nation to come in here and, and tell me who's who would be the best uh, Johnny Storm. Because it's just not, it's not happening for me. I don't know who has the swagger. Next bit of news. <laughs> Sticking kind of with Marvel, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, contract with Marvel, I think, is just like film to film now or no? Something like that. So he he needs some uh, f- uh, franchises of his yeah. own. He's got he's got Sherlock Holmes, and uh, now he's gonna have Doctor Doolittle. So he's in a movie, The Voyage of Doctor Doolittle, and they revealed the cast, which was revealed by Robert Downey Jr. himself, because apparently all news now comes from Robert, <laughs> Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Twitter account from his Twitter account. So. <laughs> Take that, Hollywood reporter. We have an all-star cast here. We've got Selena Gomez playing Betsy, a giraffe. Emma Thompson as Polynesia, a parrot. Rami Malek playing Chi-Chi, a gorilla. Octavia Spencer playing Dab-Dab, a duck. Ray Fiennes playing Barry, a tiger. Kumal Nanjani playing Plumpton, an ostrich. John Cena is Yoshi, a polar bear. Marion Cotillard as Tutu, a, a fuck, a fox. <laughs> and Tom Holland as Jip, a dog. He'll be a friendly little uh, British dog, no? I hope so. And uh, Craig Robinson. Oh, so I guess that's my choice for Johnny Flame. Hard pass. As Fleming, a mouse. And then two other actors that I don't know. So... What do we think? Talking Animals, Voyage of Dr. Doolittle, voice cast of Dreams. <laughs> Will this be a big franchise? Is this better than stuff like Fantastic Beasts? Is this going to succeed? Tell me your thoughts on it. Lady One, go. I'm a little nervous just because I feel like anytime a studio now is like, okay, time for a franchise. 
they get so caught up in it being a franchise that they don't just make a good movie. So I'm a little nervous about that. But I love Emma Thompson, and Tom Holland's adorable. Oh, well, hopefully they learn that lesson from how the mummy crashed and burned, right? Right. It's not a given just because you think you can make 10 movies out of it. Make one good movie. Right. All right, so so you're loving this cast. Go ahead. Yeah, there's there's some really, really lovely actors in this, and people who I think can do a great job with a vocal performance without them being on screen. I'm very excited for it. I'm going to go see it. All right. And when you do, we'll fix it on Screen Fix. Mustachio, do you have a take on this? Um, Robert Downey Jr. better be riding a giant flying snail, which I assume he will be. But Does that happen in the original Dr. Doolittle movie? I don't know. Maybe it happened... When I was taking drugs and watching the movie. I don't remember. Um, maybe a bird. Okay. Interesting take. All right. I can give my take on it. So, Well, I kind of did with, you know, franchise. Like, is this is this his next franchise? Could this be a franchise? Anything could be a franchise if it's well done. Look what happened with, with Jumanji. That's one of those movies that came out of nowhere and took everyone by storm. So Jumanji's back. So why not uh, Dr. Doolittle? If it's if it's well done, if it's fun, if it doesn't take itself too seriously, I think this could be really good. Bring back some adventure to the theaters. That's what Jumanji did. It brought back mm-hmm. fun and adventure, right? I love fun. Me too. And adventure. Mm-hmm. Well, let's adventure on over to... So do you like director Taika Waitiki? Oh, yeah. Yes. He's, he's just great. He's, he's good. He's good. I like him. He's a good fella. I like him a lot. So he's playing an imaginary Hitler in a movie called Jojo Rabbit. Uh-oh. So in the movie, his Hitler is the imaginary friend to a 10-year-old boy who is desperate to join the dictator's ranks in World War II. It says the film won't include a sympathetic depiction of Adolf Hitler, but rather he will be the invention of a boy who misses his dad. And is confused by Nazi propaganda. Mm. So mm. it's a combination of his father and the Fuhrer. I don't sounds like, like it. Sounds like the Tin Drum movie. Do y'all know about that? No, enlighten us. Tell us. Tell us, Criterion Man. Class this place up. I'm not that smart <laughs> when it comes to this. Um, that's why I'm trying to dabble more so in these movies on Filmstruck. Um, no, so they, they had a Tin Drum um, movie. And it's basically from the perspective of this little boy in, like, uh, I don't know, say, uh, Nazi-occupied Berlin before the fallout. And he's got, like, this crazed look on his face the whole time. He's just walking around, like, with a tin like, little drum. Uh-huh. And, like, that's, that's, like, his thing. Like, just beating it, not knowing what's going on. He's It kind of, like, to me, it kind of encompasses that whole idea of, he doesn't know why he's doing right. it. He's just doing it. And everything he sees, he doesn't understand. And so there might be allegory in there, but mm. there's definitely Nazi members. There's rallies. There's other stuff that happens in the movie that this little kid, a kind of Oscar, you know, sees. It sounds disturbing. Yeah. I got to be honest. It's definitely a strange film because it's kind of like, you know, a child's perspective of something that we already know is a dark subject yeah. and difficult to really interpret but when seeing it from that child's perspective like you kind of come away from it with hopefully what this movie is going to try to do Taika Waititi's movie that like you don't come away from it thinking oh man that that was terrible no you come away from it being like oh yeah children existed during this time too and they didn't know what was going on yeah so but that's a hard subject matter to dance around yeah oh but when I read about this um my notes were, no one should do this. Literally no one. But if someone's going to, <laughs> yeah. Taika Waititi is oh, the only yeah. person allowed to do so. But p- please still don't do yeah. it. But, I mean, I'm definitely curious what he's going to do. Like, I would love to know what's going on inside his head. Yeah, he's bold. I mean, this this it seems like, you know, the producer's movie, Mel Brooks, yeah. uh, did. They do a, a play that they want to go bankrupt right. called... <laughs> springtime for hitler (laughs) yeah 
oh my gosh like that's what it seems like it seems like like oh yeah let's just have the worst worst thing we can ever imagine and people will be appalled and it turns out to be the biggest hit yeah <laughs> yeah i'm i'm curious about where all of this is going all right so uh that was a really good discussion you guys had i've just been kind of eating this wonton soup that came to my door uh when i'm sick i want chinese food for some reason i also agree can't we let hitler <laughs> fade now right like no no i i don't want to see any more movies about hitler but just the way you're saying it makes it seem like hasn't he been through enough <laughs> like <laughs> the way you're saying it sounds no weird. <laughs> no not that i mean he needs to go you know just i don't know he's never gonna go away but you know we don't need to be making him childhood sidekicks he's a mixture of my mine father and mine fearer that makes it cute right oh man it's give me a break give me a break taika waititi what are you doing just just don't do it, man. Don't 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 make that movie. <laughs> Korg wouldn't no. make that movie. No. Our last bit of news here. So Paul Schrader, the writer of Taxi Driver, he's also uh, directed quite a few films and written quite a few more films. He's also wrote he also wrote Raging Bull. So Paul Schrader is has written and directed a film called First Reformed. And it is Ethan Hawke. He's a pastor with obviously a dark side. And it looks like things get dark and almost terroristy, I would say. Is that a, a word? I just I just I just made that up. And what's interesting about that is so Paul Schrader, he was born in Grand Grand Rapids, Michigan, and th- his family attended the Calvinist Christian Reformed Church. And so he was raised in a very strict religious uh, household. Uh, he didn't even see a movie until he was 17 years old. Ugh. And yeah, and he and he saw those by like sneaking out to see them. So I wonder how much of that is going to inform this film. And seeing the trailer, I'm very intrigued by this movie. But how do you all feel about Paul Schrader's first reformed? What do you think, Lady Wan? This seems like everything I would like to avoid, which is organized religion, secrets about bombs, and really, really depressing backstories. I'm not into any of it. It seems depressing AF, and I'm out. <laughs> All right, so we, we will not be fixing Paul Schrader's First Reformed. One of the reviews says, a role he was born to play. Mm. That's know. weird. That's like, is that a compliment? I feel like that's just that saying you were born to play when you're born to play a crazy pastor bomber. It seems like one of those phrases that you say and it sounds like you mean that's great. But what you just mean is I saw it. He's in this movie. You know, it doesn't feel like they're really saying anything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what you're saying is, is Ethan Hawke acted. Yeah. He is in this movie. A lot. And he <laughs> acted. This movie, yeah, I mean, this is one that is on my, my radar. I actually really love, this. Is, I'm in the minority, I really love uh, Martin Scorsese's Bringing Out the Dead, which he wrote. I'm definitely on board for this film. It probably will challenge me. Uh, it'll make me feel icky. But ultimately, maybe I'll have a, an experience. Maybe I'll, I'll feel something. I'm always interested in whatever Paul Schrader's doing, whether because it's always going to be a trip. I mean, he wrote Taxi Driver in like a a weekend binge. The guy's insane. You know there was drugs involved with that. You know there was alcohol involved with that. You know there might have been small animals involved with that. You you never know. Trips to a brothel. Maybe. Yeah, that seems more likely than the small animals thing. (laughs) Based on the subject matter. Fitting for the screenplay. Yeah. That's our news. It's time for us to move on to the fix of all fixes. Not really. That's just drama. Uh, we're moving on. We are going to fix Pacific Rim Annihilation. That's not Uprising. what it's called. Uprising. Oh. Pacific Rim Uprising. Robot noises. This was a film that is a sequel to Pacific Rim that was directed by Guillermo del Toro, who just won the Academy Award for Best Director for Shape of Water. And by watching that first film, you will not believe that it's the same person who directed Shape of Water. <laughs> uh, that movie is pretty terrible. Um, yeah. 
I rewatched it. Lady One, you rewatched it too. I watched it for the first time. Yeah, I rewatched it. I saw it in the theater when it, it came oh. out. It, it came out in 2013. And what's really funny about that, oh wait, ah, I know you watched it because I remember you texted me during it and said, why aren't these remote controlled? Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious because the next movie involves remote controlled, remote controlled Jaegers. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. All of my feelings from watching the first one were addressed in the second one. One of my biggest things is, you know what I, I always can't get over? Is the massive helicopters that drop these Jaegers off. Yeah. I'm always like, why aren't those massive helicopters they, equipped with guns and missiles? Like, they're massive. Like, it, like, just three of them can take one of those massive Jaegers and, like, drop it in the ocean. And when you look at them, they're gigantic. They're as big as buildings, these, these helicopters. Whatever. So, uh, <laughs> this movie... Can you give us the deets on this one, Lady One? Yes, I can. So, Rotten Tomatoes. Audience score is 53%, but critics' review is 45%. Now, just for comparison, the OG Pacific Rim, 77% on the audience score and 71% fresh from critics. Oh. That, that's what I heard about the original. And I was like, all right, let's watch this original. And I disagree. I like the second one better. The first one at least had some weird moments, like <clears throat> some parts that I thought immersed you into the world a, a little bit better. First of all, it's more beautifully shot. Um, just that scene when the Jaeger comes out of the the like Arctic Ocean and walks onto that beach in like Alaska or whatever is gorgeous. Is absolutely gorgeous. But um, also, I liked the the underground kaiju black market how they would run out and they would pull the the body lice off of the off of the the kaiju and they would sell those and then you know there was the moment when the uh, one of them gave gave birth and then the baby eats one of the the bad the bad characters and i was like whoa that's unexpected that's shocking like and then nowhere in the second one was there a moment where i went whoa that's shocking eh, i don't know so at least i think at least the first one had a couple tricks up its sleeve the pro I think the problem with the second one is that it's just it's 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 more robots punching, but we first need to know what this movie is all about. Um, do you have any more tidbits on it? Stats. I got I got some box office info. Do it. So, it did win its opening weekend. First movie to take down Black Panther. However, it immediately lost its second weekend to Ready Player One. So domestic box office estimates right now are at 45 million foreign box office is 186 million which that is where this movie is going to make its money that's where the first one made its money this is this is for the overseas market the budget was 150 million so it doesn't include marketing or anything but it has made back its production budget yeah it would have to make 300 million it still might it looks, it, it looks close to that yeah it will it will definitely do that so we can't really Fix this movie without first knowing what this movie is all about. Do you have this for us, uh, Mustachio, in under three minutes? Go. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory on the first one, too. Pacific Rim 1 saw the kaiju, these Godzilla-like creatures attacking like major cities within the Ring of Fire in order to open a rift or a breach to an alien dimension on our planet. Earth gets overrun by gigantic reptile monsters, so mankind fights back by building enormous robots called Jaegers, that are piloted by two persons who have to mind link or drift together. Charlie Day plays Dr. Newt Geisler. Uh, he and his Igor-esque research partner, uh, Gottlieb, are scientists who are studying the leftover kaiju brains for answers, and they discover a secret for how to close the breach. General Stacker Pentecost, played by Idris Elba, gave an impassioned yet forgettable speech to rally the remaining pilots and save the day. We're canceling the apocalypse. That was the worst part of that whole movie. Uh, I kind of liked that no, phrase. It was awful. I was into it. He just can say anything. He's no me. Bill Pullman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Charlie Hunnam's character, also forgettable, um, and Stacker's adopted daughter, Mako Mori, uh, drift together in a robot with some dumb Jaeger name. I don't know. Gypsy, Gypsy Danger? Gypsy... Gypsy doesn't matter. It's called. 
Um, Pentecost dies in the fight, and Mako and all Sons of Anarchy are all that's left after they win the fight and the breach is closed. Now, we're talking about Pacific Rim Uprising, the second one. So we cut to 10 years after the war. Uh-huh. John Boyega plays Jake Pentecost, who is one... He's, he's, he was once a standout ranger in the Jaeger program, but now he's like a petty criminal who steals post-war scrap for munchies. Uh, <laughs> insert some kind of shameless product placement oh, sequence. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> what was it? Oh, he's like stealing you know parts on bots for Sriracha and Frank's hot sauce. Sriracha, Oreos, and was it Cap'n Crunch or was it Fruit Loops? Not clear on the cereal. Definitely remember the Oreos. Oh, yeah. So the, while he's yeah. attempting to steal some more Jaeger merch, he meets Amara Namani. Um, this girl, she secretly builds her own bots. Since he brought this Pacific Rim popo to her hideout, now they're forced to fight together uh, while she uh, pilots a Jaeger that she calls Scrapper, which is aptly named because it's just like a scrappy little mini Jaeger. Um, mm-hmm. And they're arrested. Scraps. Yeah, yeah. Scraps. And they're arrested together. Um, they join the Pan Pacific Defense Corps, and Amara nerds out and rehashes several Jaeger names that are essentially coined using a vague noun that attempts to excite, preceding or followed by any word in the phonetic alphabet, i.e. Sierra Roomba, Artemis, <laughs> Artemis X-Ray, or Sovereign Victor. Uh, the mindless combinations are endless. Yeah. Oh yeah, and who did you say? Uh, gypsy, gypsy n- doesn't matter? Yeah, gypsy doesn't matter. <laughs> they so they get to this military base, and Jake is met by his frenemy Nate. Uh, this is Scott Eastwood's character that he previously trained with, and now they're both required to pilot the big blue Jaeger dumb thing together. Uh, now a few of the cadets, as well as Amara, have been assigned to pilot uh, different robots with other names that I don't remember. Charlie Day's character, Doctor Newton, works for the Shao Company, and he that. that the, the Shao Company wants to supply the next generation of pilotless Jaegers into battle. His old scientist friend, Dr. Gottlieb, is played by this Crispin Glover lookalike who shows Newton his new discovery for kaiju blood used as a rocket fuel. Newton's boss is Lewin Shao, who keeps him kind of regulated to remaining loyal to her company alone. She's got an invested interest in wanting to see her new line of bots get approved by the council that Pentecost's sister, Mako, is on. In Sydney, her helicopter is attacked by a rogue Jaeger. Mm. A fight ensues between Jake and Nate's blue guy bot with this new dual flaming sword wielding yet still boring robot. (laughs) Mako's helicopter goes down and the bot escapes. She had some kind of secret Russian location marked on her iPad. They investigate this place. Uh, Now the big blue one has to fight the big dumb yellow one. Uh, on what must be the strongest frozen lake in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. Of course, the blue one wins. Instead of finding two pilots, when they open its head, they find a piece of a kaiju brain or something. Ooh. We find out that Charlie Day's character has actually been <laughs> having some kinky kaiju pleasure action. Yeah, he was like. With an alien brain. <laughs> he was. And he's named it Alice. <laughs> nice. He's like I like I like brainy chicks. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, he flips the switch on the Shao Industries, um, Newton, that is, and he reveals that he's been planning for ten years to have the kaiju-controlled Jaegers open the breach in order to destroy the world. It was the moment in this movie where I really wanted him to say, "Wild card, bitches!" It totally was wild card. <laughs> so yeah, it, this. This the breach is opened. Um, Supposedly, he's been like drifting so much with his brain that he's almost being controlled by those. Mm-hmm. By the, he is being by controlled. the kaiju people, right? Yes, he is. Yeah, he's mind controlled by the the kaiju form or something. Uh, since he's having like this, you know, linked up uh, drifting with the kaiju brain for the last ten years. That's how relationships work, right? Yeah. You have to love her brain first. Yeah, and then you mm-hmm. do what she tells you even when she's not around to tell you to do it. So this is that was accurate. A metaphor. It was accurate. Yes. <laughs> Alright, so after the, the, the subliminal sex shit, um then now we're getting into um 
the breach was opened and it's closed after a secret, you know, kind of default program zaps all the new bots that are now kaiju controlled, uh, but not before, you know, the three kaiju are released. Uh They're making their way to Tokyo, uh, to Kamikaze and to Mount Fuji in order to open (laughs) like the world dimension once again. Uh A showdown in Tokyo happens and the Jaegers with names I don't remember fight the alien monsters. Uh, this battle would have had me at age nine years old jumping up and down, fists swinging, spilling my skittles. <laughs> slip, I would I would have slipped and fell, and got back up again cheering. But now I'm kind of grown up. I'm like, eh, I just want to. But erase. you would have been seeing it on like a Betamax tape b- back yep. when you were five and had no taste. <laughs> That's true. That that is that is spot on. But now. <laughs> I'm, I'm all I'm all grown up, so I just want to erase this shit from my brain. So I just want I I'm I'm actually thinking, please no more. Won't somebody just win? Okay, so now the monsters they form into one giant big monster guy. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, and they fight and they fight and they fight and ultimately win. So the last sequence has Charlie Day's character still under the mind control of the kaiju, and Jake announces to him and anyone listening. That now they're bringing the fight to them, and it's over. Woohoo! Setting up a sequel. Yeah. Whatever. I liked it. Oh no! I did. I liked it. All right. All right. Okay. Well, then we know that before we fix a film, and we don't fix films because we don't like them. We fixed many films that we like a lot. At least one. Before we fix any of our films, <laughs> we talked about what we liked about them because everyone gets a trophy. Lady One, <laughs> what did you like about uh, Pacific Rim? Uprising. The Revenge, Uprising. Yeah. <laughs> I really did like it. Like, I didn't like it to the point where I would go see it again or I would go tell somebody to watch it. But at the end of it, I was like, cool, that was fun. And then I went home and I was okay. I wasn't like, what mad. format did you watch it in? Oh, big ass movie <laughs> theater. Just regular. <laughs> But regular big had, ass movie theater. But I had uh, a leather seat with a footrest that reclined, and I had caramel M and M's, so it was optimal viewing experience. It was fun. Like I watched the original the day before I saw this, and the original just felt like it dragged. Any time it wasn't Ron Perlman on the screen, I was like, ugh. It just was. Charlie Hunnam is the worst actor. And I was so glad that he was not in this one. I wanted more Charlie Day, less Charlie Hunnam. And that's what I got. And John Boyega is just so charming. He was so funny. He was just like cute as can be. And I, I enjoyed it. I really, it was fun. And then the whole, the second big set piece where they have the fight in Sydney I was just like nerding out because I've been right there and I was like, I know where that is. I know what that building is. One of your other texts while you were watching was that there wasn't enough monument destruction. And then sure enough, Sydney Opera House. Yes. They they added buildings to that skyline because I think it's supposed to be like 2035 in this movie. So I'm like, sure, sure. I'm sure they build more stuff by then. But I still don't feel like like... I'm a kid from the 90s. I want to see those buildings get like blown up slowly and uh, I didn't get enough of that. Still not enough of that. But I really did like, (laughs) as I mentioned earlier, I hated the speech from the first movie. The apocalypse is canceled. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. That had to be a first draft and they just forgot to go back and fix it. No, that's garbage. You should never tell anybody who liked it. And I liked (laughs) that in the second movie, Charlie Day was like, remember that time your dad made that speech about the apocalypse being canceled? That was great. And I was like, yes, because that's so stupid. You have to call out how weird that was to say. Like, I laughed out loud. Well, if you like that callback, then you'll you'll like the other part in the movie where Charlie Day goes, really? Robots punching each other again? That's not very... Very original. Do you remember that part? Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It was funny. I laughed out loud multiple times. The little, the bit where John Boyega is spraying the whipped cream. That was funny. The part where the girl kisses them both on the cheek all like intimately. And he goes, that's confusing. That was funny. Stasio, what did you like about this uh, this film? I'm so glad that <laughs> Lady One <laughs> had a good time because I, I'm going to try to f- eke out some likes in this. Um, Okay, I like the use of John Boyega's real accent. Right? Yeah. Oh, and uh, speaking of 
you know, how you speak. Um, Charlie Day makes his best attempts to speak Mandarin. That was. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, the fight sequences, they like, like they didn't seem like strung together or, or fragmented like Transformers movies have in the past. So this one actually felt like continuous fight sequences that, where you could actually, you know, you know what's going on, you know how they're getting back up. Mm-hmm. Eh, yeah. Relatively. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's what I got on the likes. And um, hey, JC, uh, what did you like about this movie? <laughs> well, thanks for asking, Mustachio. I liked... <laughs> I liked uh, the introduction of the young girl character. I thought it was cool to make a uh, to add a scrappy girl. Uh, I liked her character. I wish her character had actually been developed more. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I I liked her a lot. She was a good addition. I thought Boyega went for it, but when he's one of the producers, he better. Yeah. Right. Um, and. I didn't really get into the action that much. Um, I think with these ones too, you're just supposed to turn your turn your brain off and just have fun with them destroying the heck out of cities. I enjoyed some of the fighting, but not really. I, that's it. I enjoyed the scrappy young girl. It was. I thought she was a great character, and I thought John Boyega gave a pretty good performance. And that's it. So let's go ahead and move on to fixes. Since you loved it so much, Lady One, <laughs> I'm going to let you go first. What is your first fix? Go. Since I watched the first one literally the day before I saw the sequel, it was pretty fresh in my mind to notice that Amara's backstory is almost exactly the same as Mako's in the first movie. And we find it out the same way when that character drifts with the main guy we see the memory of her family getting killed by the kaiju and it's all sad and it was pretty much the same even to the point where like it it didn't have as as much of an emotional impact because i've already seen this happen and the way the kaiju kills amara's family it was like monty python's flying circus it was just like with a foot came down on him i actually kind of liked it it was was very aggressive (laughs) but it wasn't like sad because I was like, that's just like like a foot. Like, I don't know. It 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 was sad because it, it was just, her dad. Yeah, but I've just seen this story, but like in a much more dramatic way when they told Mako's mm. story. And I would have actually preferred if maybe she just gets separated from them at the Santa Monica Pier. And my fix would be she doesn't see them die. She just loses them in the kaiju attack. And that's why she's still hanging out, being a weird orphan, building stuff. Is She's like, I think they're going to come back for me. And that she can kind of be a little tied to that place and have some ambiguity about what yeah. has happened. And then maybe she doesn't want to join this pan-Pacific whatever it is. And she's like, no, because I'm never going to find them again if you take me away. And... Jake also doesn't want to go join this thing again. And that could be part of why they drift well together is because they're both sort of reluctant pilots. And I think it gives them a better bond and it gives her a more ambiguous kind of scary backstory. Like the idea that like they could come back. That's that's almost sadder than that. They're definitely gone. Does that sound weird? That makes sense. Makes perfect sense. All right, Mustachio, what do you got for us? What's your what's your first fix? Okay, um, so in the in the last movie, the the scientists' uh, discovery actually led to them saving the world in the last one. So nice. Mm-hmm. Like now in this next movie, there's a mad scientist type character um, who's out to destroy the planet. Ugh, not cool. So do I have to be the one that says it? Like, don't paint the scientist out to be mind-controllable morons. I mean, use the scientist's <laughs> intelligence in the storyline. That would have been good. Um, in, a, in the scene where they're talking about the kaiju blood being very unstable and a potential source of uh-huh. fuel for, like, the heavy transport uh-huh. of the Jaegers, then give them perspectives here. Like, have one of them say something like, um, it would take enough fuel to get the Saturn V rocket into orbit to get them where they need to go. There could have been more physics to the fighting. Charlie Day could have asked questions like, 
Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the laws of physics, but, uh, how many of those snazzy buildings would a Jaeger fall through when hit with 125 million joules of force? Or how much work or energy is needed to power a single swing of the spinning mace whip? So just remind us. Remind us, the audience, that there's physics involved and that scientists work very hard to build on knowledge to unravel the answers to life's greatest questions. That's that's what I think. I always try to fix plot and character. <laughs> Say that without sounding like you think you're better than us. I always try to fix plot and character. Here we go. <laughs> Indulge us. Okay, we just talked about Tomb Raider, and I mentioned this trope in films. I don't think it made the final cut of the of the uh, of the fix of the episode, but I was talking about this trope of when characters who have a legacy always in the beginning of movies end up in jail, and someone who has a connection to their legacy comes to bail them out. And then they have to, then they have to like reluctantly retake the mantle. Mm-hmm. It happens so often. It just happened in Tomb Raider. And then I'm watching this movie and I'm like, same thing. He's in jail. And now his sister is here reminding him of his legacy. And now he's going to do that. I'm like, I am so, I am absolutely sick and tired of that trope. Instead of making him a downtrodden person, why doesn't he meet the scrapper character by him actually being somebody who, after the Jaeger program went defunct, after the Jaeger program has been dormant because there's been no kaiju, right? He actually is somebody who goes on missions to try to stop black market kaiju and Jaeger dealing. Like, I, I really don't understand why everybody who's got some kind of legacy in a movie has to be down and out. So maybe that's what he does while the Jaeger program is all is defunct. And actually, his inner inner conflict is the fact that the Jaeger program is defunct, yet he lives in the shadow of his father, who is this great person. And because there's no kaiju now, he has no there's no course for him to follow in that the footsteps of that legacy. But he does find ways to still do good. He goes and stops uh, black market kaiju and jaeger deals and that's how he meets our little scrapper and he meets the scrapper and sees that she has made a uh, one person um, little uh, scrappy machine and actually sees something in her and takes her into the program and i think that would be a better beginning and not our normal tired trope i'm not a hero like he was how about fix two, Lady Wan, go. So this is building a little bit on what Mustachio said about whenever they let the scientists talk. So they emphasize several times that in order to defeat the kaiju, they need to understand what their goal was. And they, they keep dropping this line of like, we need to understand why there are big bad monsters coming to smash up our stuff. Because it's not just that we stop them from smashing it. We need to know why they're smashing it. And the scientist says, oh, it's because of the rare elements. Yeah, what the, right. What the hell are rare <laughs> elements? Rare earth Wait, That elements. is most definitely, again, <laughs> like first draft of the script. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll think of some pseudoscience later. And then they like forgot. Mm. What, what are rare elements? And also like really all of the kaiju had, that have ever attacked ever were all marching towards Mount Fuji and we just now noticed like it, it should have been that they are marching some were going towards Mount Fuji and some were going to volcanoes in Hawaii and some were going to some other volcanoes and then like there's like multiple layers of this map and it's a little bit more complex to solve than it look, took them seriously less time than it takes me to like get directions to my friend's house to just go oh they're all trying to go to Mount Fuji the rare elements I mm-hmm. told you like give me give me a more complex so- solving of the map of where they were all going and give me some make made up movie science where it's like okay it has to do with the temperature and when kaiju blood is heated to a certain temperature then we have this reaction don't give me some nonsense about rare elements what does that even mean right T- just make it temperature 
because I'm I'm here for a movie and you showed me fire and you're telling me that they're going to jump in the fire. <laughs> I don't I don't need nonsense about rare elements. It is insane that their plan was to jump in the fire. But OK, so that that's what I wanted was I'm I'm with pseudoscience in movies. I will allow it to happen, but you've got to write it in order for me to believe it. And you can't just say rare elements. That's nonsense. Mm-hmm. What's what's really funny is in our own podcast, we say all the time, ah, we'll just put that in later. And from now on, I'm going to say rare elements. Rare earth <laughs> elements. Now and later. Really? Yeah, don't worry. Rare elements. Rare elements. Yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out later. We'll we'll rare think of something elements. smarter so that's than like, rare that's elements. Like re- rare elements. Yeah. Rare we'll recon elements. it later. <laughs> Retcon. Retcon. Recon. All right. So she does not like the ambiguity and the rare elements. It's good stuff. Now it's time for Mustachio's second fix for Pacific Rim: The Reckoning. Go. The Jaeger. Uh, they're controlled by pilots in suits that are suspended from like mm-hmm. lines that keep them free to move about the cabin. You know, they're... <laughs> so like a Jaeger arm, uh, it weighs approximately 1.5 million pounds, according to the good people over at Scientific American. That would be a very slow to move object compared to the human who punches at a rate of. 15 to 30 miles per hour. Yeah, their movements are way faster than the robot juke moves. So uh, let's say, how about have them inside of a tank of fluid, fill it with, uh, I don't know, some like electrified oil or something. Yeah, yeah, something. Something that that seems like it's got that kind of resistance. Like like that that head's full the head thing that they that they sit in that cockpit yeah. you mean is full of yeah. jello? Well, at least at least okay. they're little tanks. Put them in tanks. Make them actually have to move at the rate at which they're fighting. Make it seem more like you know this was developed in plan form so that these guys are and girls are actually the pilots that have to perform at the speed in which their robot is moving, or else it's not actually transferring over. This is not how prosthetics work, people. <laughs> no, like, I guess I wanted to see a little too much realism in it, and I wasn't doing enough of what JC mentioned, where I wasn't just giving it the go-ahead, like, power down, mindless, drifting, go. Drifting itself is just ridiculous. Like, we have to, like, how dangerous is it to, like, merge two human brains together, probably? <laughs> yeah. Like it's got like just like it's got to be less dangerous to just operate one half and have the other person operate the other half and not be somehow mind melded. <laughs> it's it, it was when 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 Lady Juan texted me during the first one and said, "Why are these not remote controlled?" <laughs> you you literally just oh, go, yeah. "Yeah, why aren't these remote controlled? Why aren't they uh, like when like when uh, Martin Freeman's character was controlling the." The ship in, in, in Black Panther. Yeah. Shuri's ship. She just has him sit on a hologram and fly it around. That's like, yeah. the way that's, to do it. like that seems like what these Jaegers should should be doing. Yeah. So so drifting itself is so ridiculous that like you can you can so easily turn yourself off to this film right away. That scene where um the the head of Shao Industries comes in and is like, All right, we're gonna have drone pilots and any questions? And then everybody erupts into yelling, and I do appreciate that Charlie Day is always there pointing out how silly Day is like, oh, okay, yeah, we're all going to yell. Great. Um, but do you think, like, we have drone pilots in the United States military. Do you think at any point when somebody entered the room and said, good news, you don't have to be in the plane dropping a bomb anymore. You can do it from the safety of this bunker. They were like, no, no, no. How could you? That's not the way. Desk jockeys. This is not unfair. Pretty <laughs> yeah, sure it didn't go down that they're way. Not, they're not yeah. looking at it like astronauts are. Like, <laughs> yes. I want to be in no. there. No, because uh, they have to be in the the actual Jaeger to be able to throw an uppercut. I like how like each one has different weapons that are also not effective, like a <laughs> chain. A chain. Like a giant chain that has some glowing blue on it. Like a, a chain. A chain. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, why did why only do you have one a... of them have a gun? 
I was like, shouldn't all of you just have the biggest blaster yeah. that there is? What is this What, what about the, like, the Kill Bill like, spinning mace ball thing? I know. Like, who, first of all, like, what group of scientists worked for two years <laughs> on, on a giant that. mace? <laughs> yeah. We're on the giant mace project. Oh, really? <laughs> it's it's How's that ridiculous. Going? Like, it, it should all be blasters and things. And then... As a last resort, yeah, little like little little knife swords come out of their come out of their fists. As a last resort, they shouldn't be like, oh, there's a big thing. Let's drop our giant mace. It's very silly, and just eat your caramel M and M's and let it wash over you. <laughs> <laughs> I I just felt like this movie was more like winking at all the silliness than the first one was. I don't know. I just felt like the first one did not have as much of a sense of humor as this one did. I would like to see this entire film truncated. It drug on for too long with stuff that I did not care about. I think this entire film is the first half of a movie, or maybe it's just just act one and act two. Cut out some of the some of the, the fluff, get rid of some of the characters, and here's where act three starts for me and I think this is how you finish this film because at the end of this film they talk about when they have arrested Charlie Day John Boyega says what about that like sets up a sequel like, oh he, he tells them that we're bringing the fight to you right so this time they're gonna bring the fight I don't want that in a third movie there might not even be a, a third third movie that should have been in this movie make one good movie you know what i mean so here we go act three is they've effectively there's not the whole volcano thing it is the drone jaegers are trying to open rifts right they stop the drone jaegers from opening rifts however so the movie's done right yay yay it's over but hold on but hold on this is only the end of Act 2. There's still movies left. There's there's still runtime. I still have candy. They decide to what? They actually decide to let one of the rifts open. And they go in with intel that they have gained from their very own kaiju, the booty call having scientist that is the basically part of the kaiju uh, think because they all have group think. They get info from him about how to destroy the kaiju race they go into the rift they use a big jaeger as a distraction while the rest of the team goes in in small one-man jaegers designed by the scrapper so now they're going so now we've got different kind of robots different setting different plot something different that we didn't get last movie i don't want the same movie again Let's go to the other world. Let's spend the last act of the movie down there with them each in one-person uh, scrapper suits uh, running around through this alien hive and or city or planet or like what have you. I would rather see that act three rather than the, rather than the whole of what we got in this film. Is that kind of what happens in Independence Day Resurgence? I feel like that movie ended with them saying, now we're going to them. Oh, maybe it did. I think that's just how the, that movie ended. That movie sucked so hard. Which, which now, again, we're not getting another one of one of those, just like we might not get an, uh, another one of these. I feel like China is going to make sure we get that next movie. <laughs> maybe. China maybe. is the reason why we keep having Transformers movies. We'll see. We'll see. But I definitely think that these films are not giving us you know the best movie that they can they're they're giving us the best movie they can while not giving away too much because they want a third movie well i will totally see pacific rim after next or whatever they call the third one after next i think that that's that's, that's <laughs> titled right now that's good <laughs> it's like friday after next <laughs> i got a question for us like are we going to see okay. a drink called the pacific rim or kaiju blood come out that has like Jaeger and monster energy drink in it? Is that oh, a. Gross. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. 
I think you just invented it. I think you're gonna have to. We're gonna have to tweet that one out. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds new screen disgusting screen fix drink. It's called the. It's called the kaiju blood. <laughs> Jaeger and monster monster energy drink that that will kill you probably. Oh, uh, that sounds like a bad night. It will open a portal you can't close. <laughs> that- <laughs> It opens up a rift in your skull the next morning. You'll definitely feel like you're drifting. <laughs> Does anyone else have a, a fix? Anybody else have a final fix? Uh-uh. Got nothing. Well, then I say that we should consider this screen. Uh, can you bring us home, Lady One? <laughs> If you have thoughts that you would like to share with us, please send it to screenfixpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at screenfixpod, on Instagram at screenfixpod, and we're on Facebook. Just search for Screenfix Podcast. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Libsyn, just on the internet. Um, and if you like the show, please tell a friend. We appreciate it. That's how I found out about so many of the podcasts that I enjoy listening to. So if you liked it, share the wealth. Uh, we also have a Patreon account uh, if you'd like to donate to the show. We have dreams of keeping this show going forever for you. And also we have dreams of opening a one-screen movie theater uh, that to be the home of indie films, indie movie fests, uh, and uh, podcasting and more. Uh, that's a Patreon. Just search Screen Fix. What is your best impression of your reaction after drinking a shot of kaiju <laughs> blood? Go of 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 your drink, Mustachio. Right, go. go. <laughs> no, I am not paying wow. for that. Okay. Oh my gosh. L- lady one, you've just had a shot of kaiju blood, Mustachio's drink. The mouth noises in this episode. I. I don't I don't know how anyone's going to keep listening. But okay. <coughs> can I get can I get a chaser? Can I get a chaser? All right, here's mine. <laughs> what? Oh man. I don't know. Mine sound like a kaiju. <laughs> Yours did sound like a kaiju. Anyway. <laughs> Bye everybody.